Good plant? Okay. What did he say? Good plant. Plan to go on a diet? Jeez, thanks, Tim. Praise God. Hallelujah. Gift of exhortation kicking in strong. Come on, bro. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I thought he had something else. That's it. He just said, good idea, Jeremiah. Okay, anyway, praise God. It's good. Also, I think when I add, we're very punctual. Yeah. Yeah, we start at 6.30. We're done at 7.30 on Thursdays. We make it very doable. So, anyway, it's good. Okay, so um, I'm going to cut the service down a little bit because of all the time that we've, we've uh, had here, which is a very important time. But I do want to take a step a little bit deeper here into where we've been. And... Um, you know, and, and this really ties into to grace, the power to change. How I many you know that, that, that transformation is an important part of your walk with God? Um, you don't have to be transformed in order to be right with God. You don't have to be transformed in order to get God to love you more. How I many you know you're right with God by faith in Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? And how I many you know God loves you whether you're born again or not? Can I get an amen? And so God's love is a constant towards all of us, and His gift of righteousness is a solidified fact when you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But a part of the, the joy of being a believer is changing. You know, I am so thankful that I'm a different person, you know, 24 years into this than I was when I first got started. And you never stop growing. And that's an important thing to realize because the more growth that happens in your life, the better your life is going to be. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's the reality. And, you know, in the end game here is that we would be conformed into, this, into the image of Jesus. I mean, you know, we want people to see Jesus in our lives. Can I get an amen? Not just in our bumper stickers, um, not just in the fact that we attend church, but we want elements of transformation in our own lives. Now, the challenge is, in the past, we've tried to do those things in our own strength. And anything that you try to do in your own strength in Christianity or as a believer, as a son or daughter of God, it actually frustrates the whole process. This whole thing from start to finish is a rescue. God does not want you uh, bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit in your own strength. He doesn't want your ministry gift to operate in your own strength. Uh, we're actually not called to operate in our own strength at all. The only thing we do with our will is we choose life. We choose Jesus. Just like you've, you have chosen to come to church today. That's a wise decision. Um, as you come to church today, you're going to be filled up. There's going to be a strengthening that happens to you. But how many know you had to make that choice? And, and those of you watching online, you chose to watch today. You chose to tune in today. And so your will will choose to connect. But once you connect, you're not supposed to operate in your own strength. Have you ever tried to walk in love in your own strength? It's miserable. Like it's the hardest thing in the world to love God and love people in your own strength. More people have walked away from the kingdom of God because their strength failed than I think probably anything else. They think, you know what? I can't quit doing this. I can't quit saying this. I can't quit watching this. I can't love God the way I'm supposed to. I can't love people the way I'm supposed to. I can't even love myself the way I'm supposed to. So I'm just going to give up because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Now that sounds okay on the surface and appreciate some element of transparency and honesty, 
But the reality is what that's revealing is you're doing it in your own strength. There's nothing in this walk that's supposed to be in our own strength. And so what we're going to dive into today is kind of you know, staying in the same vein that we've been, talking about Jesus being the rock that the water flows out of, faith flows out of, the Spirit flows out of, grace flows out of. I mean, it's all about Jesus. And it is your connection and your relationship with Him. But if there's just a few small tweaks you can make in your believing that will allow the strength of God to overshadow your weakness in areas of your life that you've struggled, areas of sin, um, areas of character development that you've had a hard time with, when we really make that connection to what Jesus has done, then like Grant was saying, and really that's what the good portion of that book is about, the grace of God comes upon you. God's strength comes on you to bring forth the fruit of Jesus. And the transformation in your life is not something of, of self-will and effort. It's actually something of surrender. It's something of surrender. But we've been taught to operate in our own strength. We've been taught to operate according to our own flesh. And so we really haven't had the fruit. And so we've gotten frustrated with that. But the reality is a lot of times we've actually been approaching it in, in, in a way that's really not scriptural. When we approach this thing scripture, when we make this connection to God's strength and God's power, um, there's an ease to the transformation. There's an ease to the metamorphosis that can happen in your life. I stand before you. I don't have the willpower to do anything, but I am free from drug addiction. I'm free from alcoholism. I'm free from lust and pornography. I'm free from lying and cheating and stealing. I'm free from all of those things, not because I'm strong, but actually because I'm weak. I'm, I'm weak, and I don't try to do it in my own strength. See, the great, one of the greatest things you can have an awareness of is your own weakness and your own failure. You are not called to do anything in your own strength. You're not called to love your spouse in your own strength. You're not called to respect each other in your own strength. You're not called to do... Even your calling, whatever you're called to, even your gifting, none of that is in your own strength. But, but unfortunately, in, in the body of Christ... Church has been approached more like a self-help class where you try real hard and you try real hard and you try real hard and you try real hard. And I'm here to tell you right now, if you're trying real hard, you're not trusting. And if you're not trusting, you're miserable because you have your own strength. And I think the greatest analogy I can give, I got, the, I got these little, I got a little nephew and a, and a little niece and they're twins and they have two different personality types one is type A and kind of hardcore, and the other one is very chill and laid back. And I was trying to teach them how to float in a pool one time. And how many you know floating is not about trying? Floating is about trusting. And the little type A guy, God love him, could not float because he was trying too hard. And the little girl is a type, more of a, kind of like a type, type B personality or whatever. And she just went right back and floated. No problem. Now, the type A guy, he's a great athlete. He's a super smart kid. I mean, he's got all these things going for him. But he was trying to float by trying really hard. And it doesn't matter if you're type A or you're type B. How I many of God has called you to float in the river of His grace? And I'm telling you what, if you can learn how to do this, 
There's transformation that's going to happen in your life that you've longed for that you've never been able to do because you were doing it in your own strength. The grace of God is this easy, light yoke of Jesus where you stay connected to the vine and the fruit starts growing on your tree because of His strength and not your own. So when something cool happens in your life, you don't ever take credit for it. And I would encourage you, never take credit for anything that God does in your life. Because if you do, you're actually setting yourself up for failure and for pride. Your greatest enemy is not your weakness. Your greatest enemy is trust in your own strength. Because when you're trusting your own strength, that's when pride develops. And pride is the only thing that frustrates the grace of God. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what's the primary thing the enemy is going to try to develop in the body of Christ? Pride. And he's going to try to get everybody trusting in their own strength. But this entire walk that God has for you is not a walk of struggle and striving. It's actually a place of surrender. Amen. And one of the greatest prayers you can ever pray to God, and I do this on the regular, is like, Lord, I can't do this. But I know you can. Because at that moment, you can almost feel your strength switch. See, if you're under pressure about something and you're stressed out about something right now, it's in that place where you're trusting in your you're trusting you right there. It's just the truth. I mean, if there's an area of your life where you're fearful or you're anxious or you're striving, it's in that area that you're that you're like my little cousin trying to float in your own strength. God wants you to let go and to trust him. Amen? Now, from a practical sense, what does that look like from a practical sense? Okay? Because we, we don't want to just throw some concepts out here and not teach you how to do this in a practical sense. Well, it actually always comes back to the gospel. See, if you're not trusting God to make you right with him, then Everything else you do will be in your flesh and in your own strength. It always comes back to the gospel. And when we are trying to establish our own righteousness in any way, faith is frustrated, grace is frustrated, your inheritance is frustrated, and you're actually in a state of unbelief. And nothing's going to work for you. So, your number one place to yield is that you are completely and totally right with God right now because of Jesus. And it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your good deeds or your bad deeds. It has nothing to do with your church attendance, your tardiness, your lateness, your givings, your offerings, your good deeds, your bad deeds. It, you do not produce rightness with God. You yield to rightness with God. You surrender to, to rightness with God. And if you're born again, you are right with God. Period. But we have a tendency to be right with God, but then believe that we have to establish that rightness with God through something that we do or say. And if you're not resting in His righteousness, 
then grace is not going to flow through you because grace reigns through righteousness. The righteousness of faith. And you're going to be left in your own strength. So this issue of the gospel becomes the most important issue of your entire life. Because unless you will submit to Jesus Christ as being your right standing with God, Jesus Christ being your righteousness, Jesus is the one making you right with God, you can't lay back in the river of grace. Because you're disobeying the commandment. What are you commanded to do? You're commanded to believe. What are you commanded to believe? You're commanded to believe in Jesus Christ. What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? It means that He's the Son of God, that He died for your sins, and He was raised again from the dead. The reason Jesus was raised from the dead is we were justified. It's very important to understand that. Jesus could not have been raised from the dead until after all the sin of mankind was paid for. So when you are believing in Jesus, you're believing Him as the Son of God, you're believing that He died for your sins, you believe He raised from the dead, but you also, listen to me, you are believing the cross as a success. If you've received Jesus as Lord Savior, you are right with God. You have been given the gift of God's righteousness. You can do nothing to make yourself more right with God and nothing to make yourself less right with God. Now, your decisions can have a tremendous amount of impact in your own life. If you make a decision to go sin a bunch, it might kill you. It might kill your marriage. It might kill your finances. There's repercussion for sin. How I many of you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But it's never going to change the way God feels about you because you're His kid. And you are in Him and you now have His identity. And so if you want all this transformation in all of this amazing grace, God's going to need you to give Him the obedience of faith. Under the New Testament... Your primary calling is not an obedience of action. It's an obedience of believing. God wants you to believe that Jesus did a good job on the cross. If you are successfully believing that Jesus did a good job on the cross, then there's going to be no condemnation for you. You're going to have confidence when you pray. You're going to have confidence when you live and move and you walk because you're a person who's right with God and you know that God is with you and God is for you because of what Jesus did. And then when you believed in Jesus, you stepped into Christ and you became an entirely new creature, a new creation. You are now, you've been given the authority, you've been given the right to become sons and daughters of God who are united to God, not just in this life, but into eternity. You're not going to get a new righteousness when you get to heaven. It's going to be the same righteousness that you receive when you got born again. You don't get an upgrade. You got the best God has to offer right now in your born again spirit. You are right with God. If you you believe that and quit trying to establish your own righteousness, then grace can flow in your life, and then grace is the power to change. It is the transformative aspect. But if you're disobedient in the faith and believing that you're not right with God, then you are left to your own strength. And you'll be flopping in the water, sinking with your Christian bumper sticker and your Christian t-shirts and your fish on the back of your car 
and no fruit. Works of the flesh will actually abound in your life. You just get better at hiding it. And so like we, we've got to come to the place to where we're tired of our own strength. I just don't want anything Jeremiah Johnson can produce. Nothing. In any area of my life, I don't want anything I can produce. I don't want to be the husband that I can be in my own strength. I don't want to be the father that I can be in my own strength. I don't want to be the minister that I can... I, my strength is failure. I want Jesus' strength for everything. And you can have it for everything. Everything. Every single nuance of your existence can be yielded to this river of amazing grace. And you can float through life. And you can be fruitful. And you can, and you can have victory. And God can cause you to prosper and to flourish and to triumph. doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. There's no promise that you're not going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But you're not left to your own strength. And then, when people see you, you cannot point to you. Like most Christians do. Well, the reason this is happening is because I do this and I do this and I do that. Shut up. Shut up. I, nobody wants to hear that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like preachers, don't preach you. Him we preach. It's always Him. And, and if He is successfully glorified, then everyone here is edified. If I got up here and I talk about how awesome I am and how I do this and how I do that and I do this and everybody's going to feel low and then there'll be this little uh, pedestal that is erected where I, I am awesome, man. Be like me. Like, man, that's not the kingdom, folks. That's carnal. That's fleshly. And it doesn't glorify God. And I'm here to tell you right now that when the fire comes, all that will be burnt up. Wood hay, and stubble. See, we always think that things are just judged on the outside. They're not. Once this thing is, this whole thing is judged, and I'm not talking about a heaven and hell scenario, I'm talking about your work being judged, well, it'll be the motive in which you did what you did. And if you did something to make yourself right with God, you get no reward for that. That's wood, hay, and stubble. That'll get burnt up. It means nothing. There's no faith in it. It only points to you. The only thing that's going to be rewarded is what pointed to Jesus. So what was motivated out of a heart of love? It's not a good work if it glorifies you. It's not a good work if it exalts you and it glorifies you. It's only a good work when it's done in love, knowing that you're right with God whether you do the good work or not, and it's done out of a place of faith, and it's done out of a place of love, and then it builds the kingdom. And not this carnal fleshly, false kingdom. Amen? Amen? And so, and it always comes back to Jesus. It always comes back to yielding to this and submitting to this. And here's the thing. You can have a head knowledge of this and think you got it. But you don't got it like you need to have it. Because it is a revelation. If you're ever listening to the gospel preach and you get bored, you don't got it. No, you don't. 
You're like, well, I got this. I understand this. You don't understand the taste of the body of Jesus Christ then. You don't understand what the bread feels like in your mouth as you chew it. No, when you feed on Jesus Christ through the gospel and you understand this, you'll be excited about it every single time you hear it. Because it's going to because there is an establishing in your heart of righteousness that's going to allow the grace of God to flow through you to meet every single need that you have in your life. Amen? And so we're not going to go to where I thought we were going to go. So we're going to have to move forward. Let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 5, please. And I just, I, I've, I've mentioned this, but I want to show this to you in Scripture. Grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness is the doorway. Without an understanding of righteousness of faith, grace will be frustrated. And so we have to get this part. Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, So then, as sin is reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life is not talking about heaven. That's perpetual life. That's Zoe life. That's life as God has it. What do you think it is that transforms you? It's Jesus' life. What do you think that brings forth fruit on your vine? It's Jesus' life. And so grace reigns through righteousness. Listen to me. When your righteousness is off, grace is off. And you're back to your own ability. There's two ways that righteousness gets off. It gets off in a state of condemnation. That you feel like God's mad at you or God's against you or God's going to punish you for your sin. If you feel like God's going to, if you believe God's going to punish you for your sin, you at that moment you don't believe the cross is a success. I'm just going to give it to you real straight. You don't believe. You don't think the cross is a success. You think you got to add something to it. And it's self-righteous for you to pay for your sin. You are not allowed to pay for your sin. That honor was reserved for the lamb. So if you if you're expecting punishment for God or you think something has happened in your life and you think, well, that's punishment from God. God's mad at me. That flat tire, that bill, that sickness. You're not establishing this the way you need to be establishing it yet. And you don't actually believe the cross is a success yet. And that's some strong words. But if we're going to move forward in this thing, we're just going to have to speak plain. There should never be an expectation of punishment in your heart from God. You now have a, you have a covenant of peace. According to Isaiah 54 that we were just at, and just as sure as there's a rainbow in the sky that says the earth will never be flooded again, there's a covenant of peace that God has declared that He will never be angry with you ever again. And I know that's hard to believe. But God told us He's going to do something so good, we're going to struggle to believe it. But it's the truth. If you are born again and you're a child of God, there is no wrath from God or anger from God for you. And that is so offensive to religion. I mean, and I just don't care. Now, there is wrath for God for people that reject Jesus. There's still wrath. But everybody that's in the boat, everybody that's in the ark, everybody that's in Christ, there's no wrath for you. You can search for it diligently, but you will not find it. Because the cross was a success. And sin has been paid in full. So if you are in a state of condemnation, you feel like God's going to punish you for sin or God is against you, then you don't, believe the, you don't believe the cross success. You need to get established in the righteousness, which is faith, because grace is going to be frustrating in your life. Now, it does not mean God won't correct you. Oh, heck yeah. 
Any good dad is going to correct his kids. God will correct you. Oh, yes. You know why? Because He cares about you. He cares about you enough to correct you. He'll correct you with His Word. He'll correct you by His Spirit. I even think some circums, there's some circumstantial correction. I don't think that uh, God does not bring sickness, disease, or poverty, or lack, or any of those things. God's not the author of death. But I do think that there are times in your life where God will allow you to get so frustrated that you'll be willing to actually call out to Him in that season and be like, God, I don't want to do this no more. Like, okay, I've been waiting on you to quit operating in your own strength. Yeah. I'm not talking about God bringing the circumstance. I'm talking about where you're in your strength. It's a great time to be changed when you despair of your own strength. When you've wrestled with God and you walked away with a limp like um, Jacob in Israel. And I'm not preaching some God don't hurt you or harm you or put sickness or disease on you. But God will, he will dad you. <laughs> he will father you. You know, just like my daughter here when she's trying to be up on the stage. I finally had enough and I had to get her butt off the stage. Got to get off stage. No, she wanted, no, no, you got to get off the stage. It'd been easier for me not to correct her, but I need to correct her because for her future, can I get an amen? amen? So I'm not saying God won't correct you, but I'm saying this, God will never condemn you. Because if God condemned you, then the cross wasn't a success. Amen. So if, you're, if you get in a state of condemnation, what do you need to do? You need to hear the gospel. You need to speak out of your mouth that you're the righteousness of God. You need to dive back into those scriptures and condemn the tongues of judgment that stand against you and restore your faith in the success of the cross. Amen. Or if you get over into self-righteousness, you're establishing your own righteousness. If you think you're better than somebody else, you don't understand righteousness of faith. If you ever think you're better than somebody else, you don't understand. And we have... Huge swaths of Christianity where they think they're better than everybody else. And they do not understand the righteousness of faith. Well, I'm, I don't do this and I don't do that. Well, I'm not like Jeremiah. I didn't use drugs and I wasn't an alcoholic and I wasn't and I wasn't and I wasn't. Oh, so you think that you kept the law enough to make yourself right with God? It's sad. People, because people have taught the law incorrectly, they, they grade it on a curve. As long as I'm better than somebody else and I'm doing okay. No, you're dead. Just like everybody else was. And there's no one any better than anybody else because nobody was getting to heaven without Jesus Christ going to get an amen. amen. This is not an issue of conduct. This is an issue of life or death. Without Jesus, you are dead. <laughs> and and when, when you come to Christ, you, be, you, you are made alive. Can't get an amen. So you're not better than anybody else. Anything that you do does not give you more of a right to anybody else. Can you get an amen? You can't flatter God. You can't, you, there's no other way but through Jesus Christ. Can you get an amen? amen? So your righteousness can get off in a state of condemnation or self-righteousness and pride. Both of these are grace frustrators. Your hose is kinked and now you're left to your own ability. You will march around the mountain until you quit or you get tired and come back to the cross. Amen? Cool. And so, um, and then in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, if righteousness come by my conduct, then Christ is dead in vain. Galatians chapter 5 verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by your conduct, by the law, 
You are fallen from grace. Do you see how important this is? It's so important that you surrender and submit to Jesus as your righteousness so that grace can flow. Can I get an amen? Now, Galatians chapter 3, and I want to establish perhaps a new line of thinking in your mind. Because a lot of times people think, well, when someone's in the flesh, you know, they're just in the flesh and they're carnal and they're sinning and, and they're just bad and all these types of things. No, being in the flesh is actually not about any of those things. Being in the flesh will produce those things. But what makes you in the flesh is you trying to establish your own right standing with God through your conduct. And it is a bewitchment. It's a spell that's cast upon a good portion of Christians. Let's look at it. Galatians chapter 3. Paul had preached to the Galatian church. He had, he had gotten them established in the reality of the cross, the reality of grace. They weren't under legalism. Their faith was flowing. Everything was fantastic. But then a little leaven came in and got them back into trying to establish their own right standing through circumcision and even keeping the law of Moses. Listen, there's nothing wrong with doing the right thing. Doing the right thing is good. You know, there's nothing in the law that's bad. It's good to not steal. It's good to not commit adultery. It's good not to take the Lord's name in vain. But if you're trying to do any of those things to make yourself right with God, that's bad. That's flesh. That's carnal. That will frustrate grace. That will dishonor the cross. It will cause you to fall from grace. So it's actually not what's going on on the outside. It's what's in your heart. It's a heart issue. And so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? But they were doing stuff, Jeremiah. They were making sure they were circumcised. They were making sure they gave to the poor. They were, they were, they were, they were not obeying the truth. What was the truth they needed to obey? That Jesus made them right with God and nothing else. Everybody tracking me here? I, 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 try, I need to settle down a little bit and not be exasperated. Because I need to just, the sweetness of lips increases learning. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you shall not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you? When the gospel's preached, you see Jesus crucified and resurrected. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the work, works of the righteousness in the law or by the hearing of faith? In other words, did your conduct produce the outpouring of the Spirit or your hearing about what Jesus did? So eventually we're going to look at how the Spirit is, out, is poured out through the gospel as well. Not just grace, not just faith. It always comes back to Jesus. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit, having begun in God's strength. How many of us, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord, can I get an amen? God wants to do the whole thing because He wants all the credit because we can't handle the credit. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh or by your strength? So listen to me. It's the most important thing I need you to get today. When you're in the flesh... You're trying to make yourself right with God through what you do. That's what being in the flesh is. And then when you do that, grace is frustrated, faith is voided, and now all the works of the flesh are right around the corner. 
Here comes sexual immorality. Here comes fornication. Here comes adultery. Here comes anger and wrath and jealousy and hatred. Why? Because in your strength, you can't do anything but what's wrong. Now, you might be able to do the right thing for a little while, but if you stay in your strength, how many of you have you, anyone in here ever been stunned at how badly you failed as a Christian? You're like, dang, I've been saved for, you know, this amount of years, and, you know, I did something so stupid, like, this is like even dumber than what I did before I was saved. Anybody been there? Can we have a moment of honesty? And, and the reason that is so is because in your flesh dwells no good thing. The carnal mind cannot serve God. So don't ever trust your flesh. And I'm not saying that you have a dual nature. No, you're the righteousness of God. You've been given a new nature. But there is the echo of all that carnality still operating in the carnal mind. And we left unchecked and without God, will be total idiots. And there'll never be a time when you will not be a total idiot without God. And I'm telling you, that's a really great revelation to have. Because your flesh cannot be trusted. It just can't. And, and it's like, <laughs> praise God, it just can't be trusted. It's like polishing Poop. <laughs> you can polish it all day long, but it's still, you know what I'm saying? Praise God. It's true. Yeah, where you at, Tim? He's still mad at me over the whole diet thing, man. He's still back there. I told him he needed a diet, bless God. He went in and I was kidding. But it's true. So, like, don't be disappointed in yourself when you fail. Chill out a little bit. And recognize that you have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Just know that when you failed, you're probably trying to establish your own righteousness in condemnation or self-righteousness. And you didn't have the flow of grace and you were back in your own strength. And you have an enemy that's trying to kill you. So if you failed and you've fallen short, I have great news for you today. You have a shepherd that will seek you out and rescue you and save you and bring you back to the strength of the flock and remind you who you are and get you back connected to your identity. When the prodigal left, he lost sight of his identity and he tried to be a servant when he was called to be a son. And the father didn't berate him for his sin. The father didn't berate him. Um, over being in the pig pen and wasting his money on riotous living, he immediately took identity. He clothed him in identity. The robe, the ring, the shoes, it was all identity. The provision, it was identity. When, you, when you're doing is not lining up with the Word of God, you have forgotten who you are. That's it. That's it. And all the gospel does is it goes, remember who you are. <laughs> you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are worthy. You have been clothed in righteousness. You are beautiful. You are lovely. You are amazing. Just because a butterfly lands in trash don't mean it turns into trash. 
You're not trash. You will never be trash. You, that, your trash days are over. You're a new creation in Christ. But if you don't learn how to submit to God's righteousness and let the grace of God flow, all that beauty and transformation that's within you will never get to the outside. And you'll have a hard life. Because sin will kick your butt. And, it'll, it'll, and, and fleshly lusts war against the soul and you'll never walk in confidence in your righteousness because the enemy will always have a place of accusation against you. It'll be hard on you. It'll be hard on your family. It'll be hard on those around you. And at the end of the day, listen to me, sin don't make nobody happy. Ever. It is evil. It is death. It cannot satisfy you. Come to find out, walking with the Lord is the life that is filled with the most pleasure. See, we've erroneously thought that sin was pleasurable. That sin brought joy and happiness. They sell it like it does. They never show an unhappy drunk on TV. They, ne- they always show that, that you buy my product and you're going to be happy. But we all know that the end of the story don't line up like that. You know, when I was in you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll back when I, in, in my teens, and I'm watching all these rock stars live this life, they're all looking like freedom and looking like happy. But you know what? It killed a lot of those guys, and it killed a lot of my friends because it, sin is just packaged death. It will never make you happy. It will never bring lasting joy into your life. It is a deception. God is the one doling out pleasure. God is the one doling out joy and peace and kindness and goodness. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God don't want you living miserable. You don't know what the will of God is? Look at Eden. It was a beautiful place. Full of provision. Full of goodness. Full of rest and joy. That's the will of God. But the enemy has fooled us into thinking that the worldly lifestyle is the lifestyle of pleasure and the godly lifestyle is the lifestyle of no. Taste taste not, handle not, touch not. It's not true. This is the best life. You operating in who you are. It's not about no, 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 no. It's about yes, 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 yes. Amen. And, And so, but legalism is awful. If you're trying to establish your own righteousness, which most of the church is, then they have no grace. They have all just their own strength and they're either super condemned or super prideful and everybody's got a mask on their face because nobody feels like they measure up. And they're all just going around trying to impress each other. And mostly trying to impress whoever's closest to the pulpit. No. Stop. Let's stop that crap. No more. No more. Nobody in this room is any better than anybody else. Can I get an amen? amen? We all have the same gift of righteousness. We have, we're in Christ Jesus. We're sons and daughters of God. We're here to work together. We're here to help each other. We're here to walk alongside each other. Flattery can't promote you in the kingdom of God. Promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. Promotion comes from the Lord. It's not the way the world operates. God's the one that promotes. And God promotes when you stop doing things in your own strength. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due season. Your humility is, I can't do this. He's like, I know. I've been waiting on you to realize that. Let me do it for you. 
so that when you get it, you don't take credit for it, you let me take credit for it, and we get to enjoy it together as a place of relationship. There's nothing that you do for God that you do on your own strength. He does everything. So you can actually enjoy it together. And so we cannot try if you listen, getting in the flesh is you in unbelief trying to establish your own right standing with God. It's a hard issue. Amen. Coming to church don't make you more right with God. Coming to church sets the stage for you to enjoy the benefits of what happens when you gather together with other believers. There's something special that happens when we come together that you can't get by yourself. It's just the truth. It's the way God's designed it. We need each other. But it does not make you more right with God. It just doesn't. And if you think that it does, you're in unbelief concerning the success of the cross. Amen. It's true, man. So now, Romans uh, chapter 8. They're bringing us a new stove today. Praise God. We got a new stove. Amen. Because we like to eat around here. Hallelujah. We done, we, done, we done wore that stove out. We need a new stove. Amen. Yeah, we're going to eat. Forget that diet, praise God. Get, get thee behind me, Tim. No, no crumbs for you, man. No, Hallelujah. I like to eat. I'm so glad that when we die, we still get to eat. You know what I'm saying? All kinds of stuff in heaven about we still eat, you know? Thankful for that, praise God. <laughs> you know, you know you like to eat when there's a when your your happiness is impacted on a nightly basis on whether you're having mashed potatoes with your dinner or not. Like I'm not even kidding. When I know we're having mashed potatoes, I've just got a little spring in my step, man. I do. When we don't have mashed potatoes, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we salmon and you know, and broccoli, and oh, it's cool, it's cool. But when I know there's mashed potatoes involved, I'm like, heck yeah, man, I love mashed potatoes. Anybody else love mashed potatoes in here? Come on now, hallelujah. Don't send me no pumpkin spice mashed potatoes, amen? We, we got to draw the line somewhere. The spice don't belong in the potatoes, amen? We, it's butter. Lots of it, amen? <laughs> no, it is okay for soup too. Uh, amen. That's right. Wait, wait, wait to defend the sweet potato. Amen. That's right. Potato's a potato. Amen. It's good. Romans chapter 8 and in verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what that means, remember, Walking according to the flesh is you trying to establish your own righteousness and you trying to polish things that shouldn't be polished. <laughs> Amen? Right? So if you are trying to establish your own right standing with God through your conduct, there will be condemnation. Why? Because you will never measure up. You're always going to miss it in some area. And condemnation expresses itself... Inwardly or outwardly? Some people get under condemnation they feel bad about themselves. Some people get under condemnation and they feel bad about everybody else. I'm talking about you accusing and tearing other people down. 
Please understand, condemnation is not just an inward direction of judgment against, it's also an outward. How many of you know religious people are known for their ability to condemn people and not love people? You know, when I drive through and I get coffee in the mornings and people are like, where are you going? Well, I'm going to church. You know, and, 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 and I, I hate the fact that I know they've probably had mean Christians go through their line for the past hour. Because those Christians were carrying condemnation that Jesus should have carried. But instead, they're handing out tracts and condemning people and judging people. So understand, when you're trying to establish your own righteousness, you will condemn yourself or you'll condemn everybody else because that poison's got to be handled in some fashion. Everybody understanding me here? It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. See, when the law came, man had to try to keep God's standards of righteousness and holiness in their own strength. And how many know they failed? Because nobody could do it. Amen? And that's why God found fault with that covenant because they were not able to do it. How many of you know, in that covenant, if you did everything right, then you were considered righteous? How many of you know, nobody could do it? Except one man. One man did it. A one man that was born of a virgin went to the law and kept the whole thing. Fulfilled that covenant and then died the death on the cross so all of us who could not do it in our strength, He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned sin in His body to where now we can have His amazing grace in His Spirit, in His righteousness that will actually help us to fulfill the law. But go past the law. Not just fulfill the law. Not only under grace are you not going to commit adultery, you're going to love your spouse. Can I get an amen? Amen. Not only are you not going to steal, you're going to learn how to be a giver. Can I get an amen? amen? Not only are you not going to take the Lord's name in vain, you're going to learn how to worship the Lord. Because you're not just going to do it on the outside, you're going to do it on the inside. Grace is the influence, God's ability in our hearts. So what grace will do is it will give you the right motive. When I'm in love with my wife, I don't think about adultery. When I'm in love with my God, I don't think about taking His name in vain. Everybody tracking me here? When when I'm loving the people around me, I'm not considering murder and hatred. And so what happens is God actually will supersede the law, but it won't be done in your strength, it will be done in His. But what is your part again? To believe that you're right. To believe that you're right with God and your sins and lawless deeds, He will remember no more. God is not holding your sin against you. God will never impute your sin to you. He won't. He will never do it because He imputed your sin to Jesus. I'm not saying that if you do dumb stuff that you're not going to get dumb results. Please understand that. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But it don't come from God. Everybody track them here? We're going to finish this chapter and we're going to close. In Romans 8, we're not going to move past that. But it says, For what the law could not do, then it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What's the difference, flesh to spirit? 
Flesh, I'm trying to establish my own right standing with God through my conduct. Spirit, I'm yielding myself that Jesus has given me His gift of righteousness, which allows the grace of God to flow and allows the Spirit of God to empower me to do the right thing. See, it actually, then what happens is the entirety of your Christianity is just always about Jesus and what He did and never about you and what you've done. And it takes the whole burden off of you. And you get to enjoy it easy like yo. And when you mess up, you're still right with God. And at some point, we're going to have to really address the whole confession of sin thing in 1 John 1.9. We're going to have to really teach on that. Because without an understanding of that, you know, your righteousness isn't on and off. You have to understand that. No, when you fail, you're still right with God. It's the truth. If, 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 and I don't want to step into it too much, but like you can't kick God out of you. When you sin, He's still in there. He's still right there. He didn't go nowhere. He's like... <laughs> like He has not left. He's still there. And listen, if you can become more aware of that, you'll sin less. I'm not kidding. Because, you know, in the past we were taught, well, I've broken fellowship with the Lord, so I'm going to be an idiot all day. Then I'm just going to repent tonight, and we'll start afresh tomorrow. Anybody ever been there before? Like, I done messed it up. I'm in the flesh. I'm mad. I ain't confessing no sin. I'm going to be a butthead all day. I'm I'm in the flesh. Let's go. I'll repent tonight, about 9 o'clock before I go to bed. But today is a flesh day. I will be a butthead sun up to sundown. Who wants a piece? And then, you know, and we're thinking that God, we're thinking God's mad at us. And God's mad at us. And we know God's mad at us. And we kind of mad at him too. We all just mad, you know. The law works wrath. God ain't mad. It's harder to sin against a loving God. It's hard to sin against a loving God. Do you think the prodigal son felt like sinning when the father was showering him with kisses? Do you think he was thinking about riotous living when that robe of righteousness was being put on his... No! He was surrendering to the amazing love of the father. There was no temptation near him. He had no desire to be anywhere other than with his dad. And that's how grace destroys the dominion of sin. It's hard to sin against a smiling, happy God. It is. He's not mad. He loves you. And He's just in there saying, you're better than this. You're better than this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, all right, I'll help you with that. But you're better than this. You're better than this. You're better than this. You're better than this. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Remember what He did for you. Remember how His blood was spilled for you. Remember how He was beaten for you. Remember what He paid for. Remember how He became sin so that you could become my righteousness. Remember, 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 remember. Don't fall asleep to who you are. Don't fall asleep to who you are. That's not who you are. You're not a sinner. You're not a bad person. You're not an adulterer. You're not a liar. You're not a thief. This is who you are. That's the power. That's the power to walk away from sin. That's the power to walk away from temptation. That's the power to kick the devil in the face and say, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. You get a hold of that, the enemy will lose the ability to tempt you. 
He can only tempt you when you're in a state of condemnation. The strength of sin is the law. When you're under condemnation and you think God's mad at you, it becomes easy and attractive to sin. Yep. When you think God's mad at you and you think God's against you, sin becomes very attractive. Why? Because you're miserable. So you're looking for some form of pleasure. Because you're miserable because you think God's mad at you. But the reality is you've fallen asleep to the success of the cross. And God wants to wake you up. Awake to righteousness. No, you're still right with me. I'm still right? Yeah, you're still right. Even after I did that? Yeah, you're still, you're still my kid. I still paid for you. I want you. You're not dirty to me. I want you. You are clean. What I have cleansed, don't call common. And I'm telling you, the only reason that we end up in sinful behavior and doing dumb stuff is we forget our value and we forget who we are. And the devil knows that once the church gets a hold of actually just believing the gospel, he's going to lose his ability to, to work through the church. And that's why he fights this message tooth and nail. He doesn't care what anybody does as long as they don't believe in the success of the cross. Let everybody line up and do penance and pay for their sins and let, let it all be guilt motivated and all these types of things. No, 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 no. But we're, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. The cross is a success. So we will, we're going to eventually touch on that whole concept of, of confession. And, it, and confession is good. See, if my son does something stupid, we'll say my oldest, 18, because the ability to, to be stupid is a little, you know, as an 18-year-old, as opposed to a 5-year-old. If he does something stupid... I want him to tell me. Not so he can remain my son, but because he is my son. And he will always be my son. And you know what I want him to know above everything else? I still love you. I need, if he'll talk to me about it, he'll meet love. But if he has to hide it, and he thinks that I'm, I'm not going to be his dad anymore, and I'm not going to love him anymore, then that's hurting him. But he's still my son from start to finish, no matter what. So I talk to, we talk to God about our failures, not to remain in that nature of righteousness that's been given us a gift. We talk to God because we have a relationship. And it's a, I'm sorry. And, 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 and there's a releasing of that bitterness and that fear. And God can wrap His arms around you through the Gospel to remind you who you are and remind you that Jesus paid for that so that your heart can be healed. Everybody understand what I'm saying? I always want my kids. You mess up, come to me. Talk to me. Don't hide it from me. I'm, all, I'm for you. How many of you know God's even more like that than I am? Can I get an Amen. And that's why out of a place of relationship, we talk to Him. We're like, Lord, I messed up. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't confess it in order to stay a son or a daughter. Y'all tracking me here? That mindset will mess you up. It'll drive you crazy. And it'll make you sin more. Because you'll take butthead days. <laughs> you know, like days off. I'm taking a day off from Christianity today. <laughs> Somebody hide my bumper sticker because we, we ain't letting nobody know we saved today. I'm, it's, a, it's a day off. It's a, it's a butthead day, you know. We'll confess sin once we go to bed tonight, but I'm being a jerk all day long. 
You know, that is a, that's a, I mean, that's a, I mean, I've done it. And I think out of the laughter that's arising, most of us have. So let's just not do that no more. Amen? Let's just be children of God. All right. Four minutes. Um, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Everybody say, works righteousness. Flesh is works righteousness. When you're setting your mind on the things of the flesh, you're trying to make yourself right with God. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Everybody say faith righteousness. Yeah, man. It says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When I'm carnally minded, I'm trying to establish my own righteousness. When I'm spiritually minded, I recognize that Jesus is my righteousness and I have peace. Can I get an amen? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Your flesh cannot do the right thing. It's incapable of it, not for any extended period of time. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The carnal mind is not pleasing to God. It cannot obey God. I mean, the enemy wants to keep the church carnally minded, trying to establish their own righteousness with no faith, no peace, no joy, and no grace. Just bumper stickers and t-shirts and the ability to accuse everybody else and hide their own sin well. It's ugly. It don't look like Jesus. Got to come back to the gospel. That's it. Because the carnal mind has enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But how many know you're not in the flesh anymore? You're in the Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? You are not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. But you can be carnally minded when you try to establish your own righteousness. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will, give, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you try to establish your own righteousness in front of God through your behavior, you will have no faith, you will have no grace, and you will be miserable. Everybody want to repent? of trying to make yourself right with God and let Jesus be your rightness with God. Not this church. Not any church. Not a grace person. Not a faith person. None of that. Just Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Can we take all of our trust and put it in Jesus? Yes. Only Jesus. And then he goes on to say, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That word led... Is, or that word sons of God is the weos. It's talking about being mature. See, how many know when you, we want to be spirit-led? Amen? All right. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. See, you don't have to live in a spirit of bondage and fear concerning your relationship with God any longer, you can walk as a confident son because the Spirit is always going to bear witness to the success of the cross that you are a child of God. On your good days, on your bad days, when you do what's right, when you do what's wrong, when you get in the flesh, when you don't get in the flesh, you are in Christ. Christ is in you. You're safe and you are protected, and your righteousness has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is as righteous as Almighty God. And your spirit is as righteous as it will ever be. 
Your spirit is so righteous that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You've been made clean. Can I get an amen? You're clean. Now, we've got to line our soul up with that truth. And when your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions lines up to that truth, then your flesh, your body, your hands, and your feet become instruments of righteousness. And that word, and I love the word instruments, the word haplon. It means a weapon of righteousness. What does that mean? That means that you go around doing the right thing all the time. Right thing everywhere you go. What are we going to do? The right thing. What are we going to do? We're going to operate in integrity. What are we going to do? We're not going to lie. We're not going to cheat. We're not going to steal. We are going to allow the righteousness within us to get on the outside of us. Then I become an expression of righteousness in the earth. And then Jesus becomes the king of the kingdom within me. The king requires obedience for the kingdom to function. You can get to heaven without obeying God. But if you want to function in the kingdom, you got to do what God says. And I'm not saying you're going to have a perfect obedience. So don't allow condemnation to come in and all this type of stuff. You're going to have days when you do the right thing, days you know. Just don't really focus on that. Just focus on the Lord. Don't be thinking, well, i got to do the right thing. No, it's the wrong focus. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the Lord. And as you focus on the Lord, you'll start to trust Him. And then when He tells you what to do, you'll trust Him. Everybody tracking me here? And then the kingdom can be expressed, and then we're people going around doing the right thing for the right reasons, and we're not thinking we're better than anybody else because of the right things that we do. Everybody tracking that? And it's all a product of God's grace. Amen? All right. Bless your people, Father, as they go their way. Help us to understand this and to walk in it and to live in it. I thank you, Jesus. You are that rock. We drink from. I thank you for an inexhaustible supply of your spirit, an inexhaustible supply of the expression of faith, an inexhaustible supply of amazing grace to transform our lives so that we don't have to do anything in our strength. We can lean back into the river of your amazing grace, not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let days of heaven arise in this church, in the lives of these people, we yield to you. We declare that you are successful. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people as they go their way. I thank you for it, Father. A blessing on their marriages, a blessing upon their children, their children's children, their finances, a blessing on the health of their bodies, a blessing upon their ministries and their gifts. I think they're safe, they're protected, they're healthy, they're strong. The Spirit of Christ is within them and abides upon them. Lord, everybody watching online right now, I just thank you that your spirit would just just rise up, resurrection life power within them to, to drive away sickness, to drive away weakness, to drive away fear, to drive away the cares and the affairs of this life. Lord, I thank you that they are connected to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Lord, we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to live in fear. I command fear to go. We'll be established in righteousness. Fear and oppression will be far from us. We condemn the tongues of judgment that try to arise against us. We get good at it. Lord, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.